The Living Traditions Festival is back Friday, May 17th through Sunday, May 19th at Washington Square Park in downtown Salt Lake City. You will find a global food court, live music, performances, art, workshops, Bohemian Brewery, and stuff for kids. Full disclosure, this is my favorite Salt Lake Festival. For details and to see the full program, visit livingtraditionsfestival.com or find them on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. Whether or not you've been closely following the Silicon Valley Bank drama, it doesn't matter today because when I called up consumer protection lawyer Chris Peterson to ask him about it, he told me, Allie, the biggest story in Salt Lake banking right now is not that. Four Utah banks have been put on a national watch list for predatory lending practices. And you probably drive by one of them on your way to Chick-fil-A. It's Tuesday, March 28th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Chris Peterson, you are a professor of law who specializes in consumer protection. I have to ask you a favor. Can you please explain predatory lending to me like I am five years old? <laughs> well, you know, you know, it's a it's something that people fight and disagree about a lot. Oh, and so no. my definition might be different than somebody else's. But I think it means taking advantage of somebody who doesn't fully understand how uh, aggressive the loan terms are. And that can be because the price is way too high or maybe they're going to repossess uh, a car or take a home. Uh, and there are a lot of tricks and traps that are built into different types of consumer finance products. And so that's part of what makes it so difficult to pin down exactly what makes a loan predatory. Hmm. So generally, then, who is tasked with deciding if a loan is predatory? Well, the most important uh, institution that's tasked with that is a federal government agency that Congress created after the last big financial crisis in 2010. It's called the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Okay. And it's an agency of the federal government. Think like the FBI or the Department of Defense only to try to make our mortgage loans and credit cards and other financial services, bank accounts a bit more fair and transparent and work for the American public. Well, when we think about predatory lending, something I've learned recently is that it's common practice in Utah and on a national, like from a national perspective, unusually common practice in Utah. Why is that the case? Why are we ripe for it? Well, a lot of people think that uh, Utah tends to be kind of an, a center or a node for predatory lending Oof. in our country. And, I, I, you know, I think it's also a controversial uh, uh, point. But uh, one of the reasons I think is because we have really lax regulations here. Uh, and it's easy to set up a business and maybe try to export some of the sketchier, tougher, harder practices to other places around the country. Uh, we have a growing economy. Uh, Economy with a lot of people that are ready to do programming and set up new financial businesses. Uh, uh, and, and our state legislature and, and executive branch in our government has so far been you know, pretty open to allowing companies to, you know, depending on who you ask, take advantage of other, other uh, of consumers. And that, that's to be clear, though, there are a lot of great financial uh, businesses and companies in the state of Utah. I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush, yeah. but it's also true that we have some you know, pretty bare knuckle, um, uh, hard hitting financial services practices that go on here in Salt Lake City and around the state of Utah. Hmm. 
Is there anything like cultural or existential about our state that is also proven ground for this? Like, because when we think about scams or predatory practices, like we are a hotspot for this. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? I I think there are so many things that we have to be proud of here in our state. We have a lot of hard workers and we have an educated workforce. We have some great universities and cool businesses. Uh, But one of the other things that we have in our state is we tend to be into, in one way or another, sketchy financial products from time to time. And whether that's a, a Ponzi scheme or um, some new real estate deal or, or even just a, a, a really aggressive payday loan companies that charge super high interest rates to working poor people. It's something that we as a culture need to grapple with and figure out what we're going to do about All right. So we're here because we've got four pretty small Utah banks that have ended up on a watch list from the National Consumer Law Center for predatory lending practices. Two of them are in Salt Lake, or at least the Valley, Finwise Bank of Murray and the first electronic bank of Salt Lake City, which is right on 13th by the Chick-fil-A in Sugar House. How do these banks intersect with Utah's emerging tech sector? So one of the things that's odd about the way banking law works in the country, one of the most important kinds of laws we've historically had are what are called interest rate caps, or sometimes the technical word would be a usury law or a limit. Okay. And they say something like, you can't charge more than this particular interest rate. And historically, every state in the country had interest rate caps, even Utah. Oh. But about 20 years ago, 30 years ago, a bunch of states started to lift their interest rate caps because the U.S. Supreme Court said that if, if If you have a bank that's set up in one state and they make loans across state lines, then it's the bank's home state interest rate cap that applies, not the consumer's home state interest rate cap. And so what that meant was, hey, if you want to charge really high interest rates, set up in a state that doesn't have any interest rate caps. And that's why lots and lots of credit card companies are located in Delaware, South Dakota, and and you guessed it, Allie, uh, Utah. But a lot of even credit card banks don't charge really, really extraordinarily high interest rates like say, payday loan companies do. But there are a handful of banks that are here in the state of Utah that, that are doing just that. They're, they're charging interest rates of 100%, 200% or more, and they're, they're exporting them to other states across the country. Okay, yeah, because that, I mean, when we think about interest rates, like, I don't think I even know what is normal. Yeah, well, it depends on different types of loans. These days, for a home mortgage loan, you might be looking at a 6% interest rate. For a, a car loan, if you have good credit score, probably... Eight to ten percent. Okay. Um, uh, credit card loans are often maybe more in the neighborhood of eighteen to maybe as high as thirty-six percent would be a really high credit card interest rate. Okay. But sometimes there are some companies that that go into the triple digits, like two hundred percent or three hundred or four hundred percent. In many states, a loan like that is considered a crime, a felony in New York. Uh, you go to prison for charging those interest rates, but not here in Utah. There's no interest rate cap, and we have lots and lots of companies, both here in the state, but also using the internet to make loans across state lines that have those triple digit interest rates that that some people believe are predatory. Okay. So that's what makes these banks then categorized as this is like a becoming a more popular term, fintech, right? Financial tech is like they're using internet algorithms to target customers actually outside of Utah with loans and then charging interest rates as much as 
I'm hearing you say 200%. Yeah, that's right, Ali. 200 or even more, 250%. And to be clear, there are a lot of fintech companies that are charging very reasonable interest rates mm. and are, you know, providing a service that people need. But but yeah, it's true. There, there are some banks uh, here in Utah that are partnering up with a, another fintech company and they're charging extraordinarily high interest rates all across the country. Well, in a world where we're seeing a lot of uncertainty around the tech sector right now, are these banks making national news for being a questionable fintech product, an indictment of the tech industry or of fintech in Utah? Well, I think that it's one of the dark sides of uh, what is otherwise sometimes a, a pretty positive trend. You know, there's a lot to be said about having access to your bank accounts and being able to transfer money through, you know, a simple company like Venmo or, 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 or some of the other companies that really provide convenience for us. On the other hand, those same tools that we're all carrying around in our pocket, our mobile phones, can be used to, to channel a really nasty loan to somebody who's maybe doesn't fully understand it and isn't desperate situation. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, it, it's one of the problems that we're, we as a country are going to have to have to face. And, and Utah is going to have a ringside seat for what's going to happen with these, you know, predatory loans that are being exported all across the country. Yeah. But I mean, if you ask some of these companies for their position on this, they would say, and I don't think they're wrong about this, like credit scores, other benchmarks that we have in place, they tend to undermine economic empowerment. So what's wrong with leveraging an algorithm to increase access to lending? It sounds like you're saying the problem is the interest rate. Well, I, I don't think that there's anything with uh, wrong with trying to give people a loan from time to time when they when they need it to maybe buy a car or or, or deal with an unexpected expense. Uh, but just like anything, too much of a good thing can be potentially problematic. You know, we all use our cars to drive around town, but but just because we're okay with a 30 mile an hour uh, a car, that doesn't mean that we're all okay with everybody driving around our streets at 130 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. The difference is in degree. Mm -hmm. uh, at some point, you know, loans just become so dangerous and so problematic for consumers that they end up doing more harm than good. Whenever posture comes up in conversation, we all do that thing where we immediately sit upright and pull our shoulders back. Did you do it just now? I did a movement session with Chandler at Embodied Patients, and after a few gentle corrections, I was surprised to find sitting up straight is incredibly easy. Chandler's practice combines over a decade of study in yoga, Pilates, and the Alexander Technique. So why should you invest in your posture? Let's start with the link between better posture and better breathing. Whether you're returning to activity from an injury, looking to manage pain, or just have the sense things could be a little easier, Chandler will teach you to create sustainable movement habits so that you can enjoy the things you love for longer. Maybe that's running marathons. Maybe it's walking the dog. Visit embodiedpatients.com to book a session with Chandler and give yourself the gift of your own attention. Spring is when leases expire, and if you're looking for a new or better apartment situation, here's the scoop at Ico Fort Union. Fort Union is Ico's newest build in Cottonwood Heights off 1300 East and 6720 South, 
And as they say in real estate, location, location, location. Ico Fort Union puts you 10 minutes from the mouth of Big Cottonwood Canyon and central to all the Fort Union shops and restaurants. But the complex is located on a dead end street, so you get peace. Ico Fort Union offers studio, one, two, and three bedroom apartment homes, plus these very cool three bedroom work live apartments. So if you're starting something new, you can live above your business space. Amenities include a pet spa, a spin loft, a bike hub, and EV charging stations. And they are signing leases right now. So visit liveatfortunion.com for a tour. Well, it's interesting because having this conversation with you, you sound to me like a fairly politically progressive law professor who's wary of the intersection of tech and finance. But I find it really interesting that you're in the company of Utah Senator Mitt Romney, a Republican and former banker who spoke warily of fintech investments at a summit that you hosted a couple years ago now. Why do you think that is? Why do you think he's also wary? Well, I couldn't speak for him. Uh, you know, I think that he seems to me to be a reasonable guy. And we do have a lot of common ground. We both believe in Utah. We both believe in, um, you know, having a vibrant and effective economy. And we, we both believe that we should try to grow and, and make new products and, and, and compete on a world stage. But, you know, speaking only for myself, I think that we have to do that with some ethical and moral limits. Uh, when, when our ambition to make money or to, you know, grow our economy, economy runs up against taking advantage of people who are struggling to make ends meet and making them worse off, uh, well, that's not, that's not okay. Uh, and, and that's when I think I, our legal system should step in to try to put some guardrails on the system, maybe some speed limits to use uh, a metaphor I used a moment ago mm-hmm. to try to make things work for the customer. I'm a capitalist. I'm a believe in free markets, but I just think that they have to be uh, within reasonable limits. Well, I think often like just as a regular person, when I hear about banks or institutions that are being watched for behaving poorly, the place my brain goes is, okay, what are the consequences? So if we think about these four small Utah banks that are now on this national watch list, where do we go from here? Like, is there any sort of repercussion? What are the consequences? Well, for families, the consequences can be really serious. Uh, it, you know, if you get behind on a, on a loan, it can make it harder for you to make ends meet. It means that you might start to skimp on uh, you know, needed expenses like food or investing in your education for your kids or saving for your retirement or transportation. It also uh, can bleed out and create unintended consequences for people around those families that are struggling to make ends meet. If your debtor goes bankrupt, then there are a lot of other people that may not get paid as well, whether that's the dentist's office or the landlord or the mortgage company uh, that all have to get out, get in line to try to get paid. And and sometimes it's the very companies that charge the highest interest rates that are the most aggressive debt collectors and jump to the head of that line in order to try to make the business model work for them. Mm. So I think one of the consequences for families is that it tends to cause struggle and hardship for consumers that are vulnerable to predatory lending. And as far as the consequences for the companies, well, that remains to be seen and is really a bit more about uh, our politics. Hmm. Um, you know, one of the challenges with the the system that we have today, where a handful of banks are locating in Utah to export their interest rates, their, you know, depending on who you ask, predatory loans across the country, right. in some respects, it's Congress that really 
really needs to crack down on that, or, or perhaps the federal banking regulators back in Washington, D.C. It also might help if the Utah state legislature took a, a step up to that plate. Um, but, you know, right now it's so hard to get anything through the United States Senate, and there doesn't seem to be much of an appetite for taking on aggressive businesses on behalf of working people uh, in our state legislature. Hmm. So for the time being, they seem to be getting away with it. Yeah, they're just kind of sitting on this list, and that's that. They have bad press in USA Today, but other than that, it's business as usual for them, right? Yeah, I think that's right, Allie. Um, there are, they do face some legal risks. It's possible there could be you know, class action lawsuits. And, and uh, there's also a case where California is actually in a lawsuit with one of the companies that's partnered with a Utah bank where California does have an interest rate cap on some of their loans. Uh, and California is in a lawsuit with them because California feels like they should be able to control the costs of the, the, the products that are being sold to Californians. Yeah. You know, so there's a bit of a dispute there, and we'll have to see how that turns out in the courts. Okay. All right. Let's imagine you are Utah's attorney general for a day. What's on your to-do list related to this issue? <laughs> well, the first thing is that I think we need to make sure that all of our families and consumers are getting the full measure of protection that we have in our in our state laws. The the products that are out there can't be misdescribed. They can't be we can't tolerate lying or cheating the customers. And so what I would want to do is make sure that that we have a consumer protection unit that's fully funded, not just uh, you know lawsuits that are you know message bills about hot button social issues, but we need somebody that's uh, working on behalf of consumers, working families and individuals here in the state of Utah, somebody needs to have their back to make sure that uh, they're not being cheated as they go about um, their, their lives. Wait, do we not have a fully funded consumer protection unit? Well, I guess it depends, again, on who you ask. It is a very small unit, and there are some great attorneys that are doing their best in that unit. Uh, but in comparison to other similar states, we do we, we probably do, it's fair to say, a lot less consumer protection uh, in our state than, you know, a lot of other states around the country. Huh. Okay. And then... I'm guessing you would lobby the legislature to pass some uh, caps on interest rates on lending. <laughs> yeah, I, I can tell you which one would be great. The one that we used to have back, at, <laughs> you know, before the 1980s when we got rid of it. Huh. Uh, you know, we used to cap our interest rates. The most expensive loan it was legal to make in the state of Utah was a 36% interest rate loan. Still and, you seems know, it's a coincidence, but it's pretty high. But that that is also, by the way, the highest interest rate it's permissible to give to any military service member uh, huh. based on a law Congress passed for the military and that the, the Pentagon, the United States Department of Defense implemented. So uh, the, all these loans we're talking about, it's illegal to make any of those loans to a soldier, sailor, Marine, or airman in, in our country. But in Utah, it's fair game to offer those loans to you know, orphans and you know, right. widows and struggling working families. Right. Single moms, college exactly. students. Huh. Well, it's interesting because in the beginning of our conversation, you mentioned that these kinds of regulations are pretty broad. And I take that to imply that this is not a red state, blue state issue. 
So how does Utah garner the political will? Well, you're, you're right. It's not a red state, blue state issue. Uh, there are a lot of states uh, in the West and the Mountain West in particular that have in past years had ballot measures where the public voted to reestablish a 36% interest rate, similar limit, similar to what the Department of Defense has done. And those states include Nebraska, South Dakota, Montana, Colorado, as well as a lot of states back East have similar rules. Uh, and we we could do the same thing here in Utah. If we got ourselves busy, we could get a signature drive uh, going and, and take on the predatory lenders in our state and, and pass a law on our own. There's an idea. I hope the right people are listening. <laughs> Chris Peterson, law professor at the University of Utah. Thank you for your time. Hey, Ali, it's great to visit with you. Uh, listen to CityCast all the time and wishing you the best. In 2020, the state of Nebraska passed a ballot measure capping interest rates on lending at 36 percent. It passed with an overwhelming majority. And within two years, the state has seen almost all of its payday lenders pack up and pack out. I linked to the Omaha World Herald's reporting for you in the show notes. Can you imagine the look of State Street without any payday lending joints? I can't, honestly. It's a way different vibe. Here's a little more banking news before we go. Holiday Bank and Trust in the city of Holiday just became the first Black-owned bank in the Mountain West and only the 17th Black-owned bank in the country. This matters for a lot of reasons, but here's one. According to the 2020 census, Utah's Black households have 45% less wealth than Utah's white households. Now, regarding the fall of big tech lender Silicon Valley Bank... TBD whether or not Utah is set to implement some new regulations in light of its demise. Senator Mitt Romney would like to see deposit insurance reform. Right now, banks are only required to insure up to a quarter million dollars for each client. Senator Romney says, why should people with more than that have to worry, too? As for Attorney General Sean Reyes, he sent a letter to the feds blaming the Biden administration's environmental social governance policies for the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. In other words, rallying the banking sector into limiting its impact on the planet is a distraction from other regulations. Personally, I don't know about that. I think the federal government can probably walk and chew gum at the same time. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye.